for another week, Cougar Nation. Welcome to JCW's in Provo for the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Greg Rubel with the offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, and Macarena Master of the <laughs> BYU Cougars, Ty Detmer, joining us after BYU's big win at Michigan State on the weekend. We are on ESPN 960. We are also on Facebook Live. Go to the BYU Football Facebook page and be a part of the show via Facebook Live. We'll be here every Monday from 12 to 1. The three coordinators rotate with us this week. It is Coach Ty Detmer and Coach Elisa Tuiaki. Ty in the first half hour and Coach E in the second half hour. Great to have you with us here at JCW's and wherever you are listening to us or joining us here today. And it's a big win at the Michigan State Spartans, 31 to 14. I mentioned the Macarena because in the postgame locker room tie, Things got a little joyous, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we generally have a pretty good time in the locker room after the game, but it was, it was kind of a backstory to that because okay. I think we were we were driving. They had an injury timeout, and over the loudspeaker, the Macarena came on, and Taysom comes over to so we can talk about the next play, and he's like, Coach, let's see your Macarena. And I'm like, if we win the game, I'll do the Macarena, but let's get going here, you know, kind of deal. And sh- sure enough, you know, they called me on it when we got in there, so – that was the backstory to that. Okay, because Coach DeMooney and Coach Satake <laughs> had their go with a more traditional, maybe uh, yeah. hip-hop variety, and they brought you in for the Macarena. Yeah, the Macarena is probably not my go-to, but um, I don't know if I have a go-to, really, uh, dance move other than the Cotton Eye Joe, maybe, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, hey, we can, we can trot that out with a win over Mississippi State this week, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, Ty, uh, going out to East Lansing, uh, playing Big Ten football and winning that style of football had to be really gratifying for you guys. It was. They're a really good team. I mean, they were in the national championship playoff last year, had a lot of guys back. They had a few guys injured, but um, they've always got depth, and they're just a, a good quality team. And we knew it would be a tough game going in, and, and our guys kind of stepped up to the challenge and really got stronger as the game went on, and it was a, uh, a great second half for us. What would you say that uh, maybe the biggest change or changes, difference or differences have been between the first three games where the offense struggles to get out of the teens and the last three games where you're scoring in, in the 30 to 50 point range the last three times out? Yeah, I think, uh, I think overall anytime there's a change and there's a new, you know, new concepts installed uh, for especially the guys up front, you know, there's timing involved with that. And you don't get a lot of that in, in training camp. Um, until the games start where you really start getting a feel for it game speed. And so uh, I'd love to be able to go back and play a couple of those early games uh, over again because I really feel like our guys understand understand what we're doing now a little better. Uh, our timing's better on things. Uh, us as coaches have a better feel for things. And uh, I just think across the board, you know, we, we're all getting better as the season goes on. And, and if we can keep people healthy and continue to, to improve, um, good things are going to happen. With, with no preseason in college football and a new staff coming in as it was, is it almost a necessity uh, to have those first couple of experiences until you get a sense of who you're going to be? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've, I've learned a lot uh, over the course of the first six weeks here. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's growing pains for everybody involved and uh, not just the players but coaches as well, you know, where we're figuring out what they're, they're best at and, and what our best – personnel groupings are and and then you know once the game starts you got to make those adjustments and things like that but um you know it it, it, you'd love to be able to have hindsight and go you know start the season and and know all the things that you know now but that usually doesn't happen uh right away so we're you know we feel like we're 
we've got a pretty good grasp of our team and, and what our players uh, do best, and, and now it's mixing and matching those things to try to keep teams off balance as well. Uh, question coming in for Coach Ty Detmer. Please discuss the development of Taysom Hill over the first half of the season. You're at the halfway point. He's been great. Uh, you know, his football knowledge, that was one of the things that, that um, you know, we loved about him as, as naming him the starter was the football knowledge side of things. And there's a lot of little things that he does that don't show up on TV, you know, or that people may not see, uh, whether it's getting, you know, run checks from one side to another, um, you know, feeling a blitz and, you know, we have a side adjustment, some of those things uh, that he's really got a great grasp of right now and I think's really starting to feel like he's got some freedom at the line to, to get us out of trouble, and he's done that the last few weeks for us. So, um, you know, in the passing game, we haven't asked a lot out of him all the time, but this last week some really big third-down conversions, both running and passing, and uh, – and so I think the receivers are getting a feel for what's expected. They're getting comfortable with him. You know, he, he missed all of last year, so some of these guys haven't really played much with him. And so um, I, I feel like that whole unit, you know, when when we're going to need passing yards and, and we're not going to be able to run it and they're going to load the box, we'll be able to beat people throwing the ball. And, and right now, you know, we're doing a great job of running it, and he's keeping teams off balance with the play action and quick game on early downs. And, and then we mix in our shots there. And so, you know, we still like to hit a, a few more of those. Um, but at the same time, I think he's really come a long way and, and really feels comfortable in what we're doing right now. The Toledo game might have been the first game of his career where he didn't have a third-down conversion rushing the football. He was back to doing that at Michigan State. And uh, the emotion he was displaying in those plays, which were grinder-type plays, uh, it meant a lot to him to move the chains on those plays. And he's a natural leader, but he told us after the game that uh, um, he felt the guys could really rally around him when he was grinding for those extra yards and moving the chains on those third downs. Um, I thought it was really a signature game for Taysom in that way. The numbers aren't spectacular, but the plays he made at crucial times of the game, um, that's that's why you have that guy in there. Yeah, he's playing the position really well with, with what's expected of him. Um, he's, he's doing everything right, and uh, he's just getting better each week. And then, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of having him, you know, run the ball and called runs a lot of times on those third downs, but there are times where we need it, and we're going to put it on his shoulders, and, and he's, you know, he thrives in that situation. And so, uh, you know, going forward, we may see a little more of that, but at the same time, uh, you know, we want to keep him healthy and, and make sure we pick our spots and try to make those the right times for those. And, and you kind of lull a defense to sleep at times with him, and then mm -hmm. you see him pull it and go in for a touchdown. And, and we hadn't really done much of that all game. And, and then all of a sudden there it is, and he makes the right read and pulls it and, and goes in for a touchdown at a big time right there. So, um, it, you know, you don't, I don't want to give him a steady diet of it, but we'll pick our spots and give him that opportunity and, and option to do that at times as well. That's the ultimate luxury to have as an offensive coordinator is a guy that uh, you can, like you said, lull teams to sleep a little bit, realizing that he's still that weapon, um, that he can use those skills. Yeah, for sure, and, and he's doing that. And, and like I said, he's he's really playing the position really well. Um, you know, like, like you mentioned, he doesn't have the numbers and the, the stellar things to be on a Heisman watch list, but for me – He's uh, he's really making this team go with the the run game, the checks, and then he keeps people at home too, you know. So those backside cuts that Jamal hits, a lot of that has to do with him being on the field and, and holding backside coverage and, and defensive ends back there so yeah. we can cut back. 
Now, Jamal, there's a guy who does have the numbers. We're going to get to his numbers a little bit later here uh, in the show. But I, I thought it was an interesting contrast, Ty, from how you might have felt at halftime of the Michigan State game in terms of opportunities gained and maybe not, not taken advantage of to the second half where you scored a touchdown on every on every point scoring drive you wanted you you scored to end the first half field goal and then it was four touchdowns on your four non-kneel down drives of the second half what were you thinking after the first 30 minutes and then how pleased were you when you saw your guys just basically almost play a perfect second half well I thought um, after the first half you know you're, you're kicking yourself for not having you know more points on the board but it was a great confidence building half for us to know that we could move the ball against them and we can we can play with these guys and so I thought getting the three points right before half was big for us in order to just get a little momentum going in, feeling good about things. And then, uh, you know, our guys do a great job at halftime of taking coaching and, and you know, accepting a challenge to go out there and, and play with more more passion and to, to, to do the little things. And so uh, they stepped up and they did that. And so that second half was, I mean, it was perfect football for us. It, you know, not every play is perfect, but when you're scoring every drive, that's uh, touchdowns, that's uh, that's perfect you know, timing on, on all those things. So um, it was great to see us go out and be able to put drives together, keep our defense off the field, get, you know, get short fields, uh, get a turnover, and then, uh, you know, add to that. So uh, it was great to see our guys respond the way they did. Now, whether it happens at halftime or even during timeouts or even between plays, if Taysom's coming over to you on the sideline, Taysom made a remark over uh, social media, uh, on social media over the weekend about having an O.C., that he can um, interact with and give feedback to. How, how important is, it, is what Taysom gives you? Because you're seeing what you see. He sees things uh, from a different perspective, that give and take uh, in, in making and formulating and adjusting game plans. Yeah, it's great. You've you got to have that with your quarterback because, like you said, they're going to see things differently than you do. And so, you know, he'll come over and say, ah, I, I probably could have pulled that last one. Hey, the, the zone read's there. And so you go back to it. You know, you jump in it and – giving that opportunity and then even that last one at the end of the game uh we did a naked boot with him again and and i told him the play before i said hey if you like the look on that edge feel free to to pull it and and win it and so he didn't pull it and then the third down play he's looking at me like and i said hey it's your call (laughs) you're it's up to you because we kind of joked about that uh earlier in the year he's like what if i just pulled that one i said well if you get it i won't say anything if you don't (laughs) you're going to be in trouble so uh so i kind of gave him the option there if he liked the the look backside and sure enough the end came straight up the field and he put a little move on him and cut inside and go forward for a big first down that's when he had 98 in his face right (laughs) it is so he kind of sealed the game right there for us by getting that first down and and uh you know, so we, we communicate quite a bit and what he's seeing, what he likes and other things to get to. And and I think, you know, we've got a great relationship and, and uh, I, I hope he's enjoying it as much as I am. Yeah, well, that play you talk about is QB against really good D end. <laughs> Just go win it. Just go win it, which yeah. is what he did. Put the ball in your hands yeah. and let's see what happens. All right, fans, <laughs> uh, owning your own power is easy and affordable with Legend Solar, official solar provider of BYU Athletics. Schedule your free consultation at legendsolar.com and start saving today. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We are live at JCW's in Provo. We are back after this on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. 
And fans, if you're looking for a place to take the family before or after the game, stop into JCW's with their huge menu of burgers, wings, salads, etc. Everyone gets what they want. JCW's, the Burger Boys, quality and a lot of it. You find them in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, where we do the show, and South Jordan. Welcome back to JCW's and the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner here on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. You can tweet us questions for Coaches Detmer and Tuiaki using the hashtag CCBYU. Or go to the BYU Football Facebook page, check into the Facebook Live broadcast, and in the comments section, you can ask questions like the one we're going to get from Brett Remington here with Coach Detmer. Ty, how do you expect to hold your own in the trenches against an SEC-caliber team? Of course, you just went to Big Ten country and played a very tough Michigan State team, which is known as kind of trench warfare in that uh, neck of the woods. And uh, now you've got the SEC back-to-back here. Yeah, I think uh, that was a big statement for us to be able to do that against a Big Ten team uh, like Michigan State. You know, watching them, they hadn't given up a whole lot of rushing yards. And for our guys to go in there and, and to do that, um, you know, it's just one of those things as a coordinator where you kind of got to stick with it a little bit and give them a chance to – to get those fits and wear them down a little bit. And then you saw that in the second half. I mean, we, we just started kind of mashing them up front. And so there's times where, you know, you look back at maybe the Utah and UCLA game where you got away from the run too quick and, and you didn't give our guys that opportunity to, to get comfortable coming off and getting to know those guys a little. Um, you know, I've kind of learned along the way you got to stick with it and, and give our guys an opportunity to, to get those things done. And, and it was perfect opportunity that second half so um you know mississippi state's big athletic they're strong uh it's going to be another test for us and they uh they fly around and play good football so you know we're going to have to just do what we do and and uh continue to, to get on those double teams and then come off on linebackers and and uh i think our, our linemen have a lot of confidence right now our backs have a lot of confidence in those guys and then our fullbacks and tight ends are doing a great job in the running game as well. So you, you combine all that and you just keep plugging along. And, and uh, you know, if we're, if we're in a situation where we got to throw it, we have 100% confidence in that as well. Without Louis Lapuaho, uh, no Kyle Johnson, no Brad Wilcox, how would you grade this offensive line, which has had to come together in pretty short order against a really challenging schedule? They've done great, you know, with the rotation of Parker and Tooney in there, um, you know, keeping those guys fresh, uh, you know, has is, is been a big for us. And, and Thomas Schof uh, really filling in there at right tackle has done a great job of, of a guy coming in, kind of an unknown, and uh, and really did a great job in the offseason getting his body ready for it. and and has really stepped in and, and done a great job. And, and so you add, you know, ID and Norman and, and Tijon's kind of that anchor in there that just keeps it all going. So um, I, I feel like those guys are really doing well. We gave up zero sacks this last game, and, and that's a big accomplishment against that type of team. You know, when, when their big guy came in at halftime, number four, right? Um, you know, you could sense a little energy boost from him, and we went right in there and, and handled him and, and did a great job on him the whole game. And it was your best half, the second half, and you got your own energy boost. We'll talk with E about the way Cy Tautu came in, but he was a big spark for you guys. Yeah, I think any time a player has to sit out, they're just chomping at the bit to get in there, and they kind of get a chance to see how the the game's unfolding a little bit. And Cy came in and really did provide a boost and got our sideline really going. Are you, gonna get, are you hoping to get Louie back, by the way, on the O-line this year? Yeah, we'd love to get him back, and that'll just depend on how the rehab process goes. But uh, we'd love to have Louie back in there because he's, uh, he's definitely – you know, proved himself as a player here, and, and he's a guy that just, you know, can, can really make a difference in there as well for us. Questions for Coach Detmer on BYU Football Facebook Live in the comments section or on Twitter via hashtag CCBYU from Adam Piccolo on Twitter. 
Coach Detmer always seems to be happy and smiling even after losses. Maybe not as broadly after <laughs> losses. Uh, to what do you attribute your happiness? Uh, I don't know. I just, you know, that's just the way I've always been, I guess. I, even on a loss, I'm not smiling near as much. Yeah. Uh, so don't don't uh, misunderstand that yeah. part of it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I just I know there's certain things you can't control and certain things you can't. I think being a player for as long as I was, uh, you understand those situations and kind of the big picture of things and just try to keep our guys upbeat and knowing that, you know, we've got we're behind them and we're going to do everything we can to help them be successful. And, and so, you know, when you're winning, it's a lot more fun and the smiles are bigger. So uh, we'll continue to try to do that. From Eldon Barton on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. Question for Ty. The offense gets better as the game progresses, he says, due to adjustments or just better execution by players. And before you answer, BYU's by quarter scoring 34 in the first, 25 points in the second, 34 points in the, four, in the third, 76 points in your fourth quarter so far. I think it's a little bit of everything, you know, that, a little bit of sense of urgency as we get going, uh, more focus from the players. Uh, I think uh, understanding the scheme and, and us making a few adjustments as a staff, uh, you know, we're constantly talking and trying to get to things and add a few wrinkles as the game goes on. So uh, it's probably just a combination of everything, but we've got a, a mature team. Uh, our guys worked really hard in the weight room, and I think that's starting to show. And even during the season, they lift every day just about. And so uh, we're trying to keep them strong to stay healthy. But when you get later in the season and teams start wearing down, I think we're going to be at our best. So uh, I think a big part of it has to do with Nugu and the, the strength program that we've had, and, mm -hmm. and that's uh, just keeping us going throughout the game. But also throughout the season. Question from Facebook Live from David Farnsworth. How is Tanner Mangum involved in the offense to help his growth and preparation? Tanner's great. He's That's on the headset happens. every game, so he's hearing everything from the coaches' chatter to uh, to me uh, complaining about everything or, <laughs> or uh, thinking, you know, he's hearing all my thoughts for sure. Uh, <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, he's really done a great job of kind of staying with it, and I think that really helps during the game kind of, hearing my expectations and, and maybe what should have happened or or the good things that are happening and, and talking about, you know, the, the great job that the guys are doing. So he's very involved in, in game day and hearing those things. And then he's he's a guy that will come over and, hey, I think we can get this route on him. And and uh, so he's seeing it, and I know he, he's hearing it, seeing it, and, and when it's his shot comes, he's going to be ready. So until Saturday in East Lansing, uh, Tanner's only involvement officially this year was getting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty at Utah. <laughs> but you decided to get him in the game uh, for victory formation here at the end of the Michigan State game. And that unleashed the floodgates <laughs> of Twitter and email to us on the postgame show. They just burned his red shirt. Yeah. You told us back in August the plan was not to red shirt Tanner yeah. Mangum. The plan is to play him. We're going to play him. We're going to play him. But he hadn't played, hadn't played. He gets in the game, and everyone goes berserk on this one. Just recap the thoughts. Preseason, in season, and this was always the plan, was to get him into a game. You're not planning on redshirting Tanner Mangum. Yeah, no, we never were. And so he came to me at the end of the game and was like, hey, can I take the kneel downs? And I said, sure, okay, you got it. Get some snaps with Tijon. And I didn't even think about that part of it. And uh, I think Ben Cahoon was like, hey, you just burned Tanner's redshirt here. And I was like – I didn't even think about it. We're never even going to redshirt him. You know, he's going to get some playing time as we go through the season here, especially later in the season. I'd love to get him some some meaningful series at certain points in the game where you feel comfortable that he's, he can go in and, and he's going to need it for next year. So we don't want him going into next year cold and, and not having played at all. But 
the, the two kneel downs where he got on the bus after and said, hey, is it okay if I tweet this out? Because there's people freaking out about my redshirt year. And, and he showed me the tweet that I he wanted to yeah, send. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And I'll retweet it just so people know yeah. that you're not redshirting, you know. And we he and I talked before the season ever started. And and uh, and he said, I don't want a redshirt. I'm 23 years old. I want to I want to keep things going. And I want to play if, if possible and, and just keep progressing. And I said, that's great. You're, you got to be ready to play, plan on playing, and, and we're going to get you in w when we can. And so uh, there was never a plan to redshirt him. Right. It was kind of good to just get that over with. Yeah. And, you know, and One way or the other. I yeah. always hated as a backup to go in and just kneel down, you know, the ball at the end of the game. But he's got such a great attitude. He came over asking for it, and I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Go, yeah. get, go get a couple kneel downs. People love to see you in there. And his playing time's not done. We know that. No, not yeah, at not all. Not for this so. year. All right, there it is. Uh, we will take a break. We'll come back. One final segment with uh, Coach Ty Detmer. Your questions for Ty using the hashtag CCBYU. And on BYU Football Facebook Live, where a lot of folks are tuning in on the Facebook page, go to the comment section. We'll take a look at your questions there as well. We are brought to you by Legend Solar. Legend Solar, proud to sponsor BYU Football. Schedule your free consultation today and find out how much you could save at legendsolar.com, a SunPower elite dealer. Greg Rubel with Ty Detmer, Coach Elisa Tuiaki coming up bottom of the hour. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We're live at JCW's in Provo. We're back after this on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. JCW's in Provo for the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Welcome back to the show. Fans here on site at JCW's and fans in Cougar Nation listening on ESPN 960, ESPN 960's app, and on BYU Football Facebook Live. Go to the BYU Football Facebook page, and you'll see us live every Monday from 12 to 1. You can uh, get questions in for Coach Detmer and Coach Tuiaki today on the uh, BYU Football Facebook page via the Facebook Live comments section or on Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. Want to talk about Jamal. We'll get to him in a second. I want to get back to the questions for Ty, though. And uh, Robbie Haskell uh, tweeting in a question. Did Ty teach Taysom how to stiff arm? <laughs> and how often do you use that stiff arm in daily life? I have never stiff arm that I know of. <laughs> and if I did, they didn't fall down like he does. So, uh, no, that's all on him. And he had one uh, toward the uh, far side of the sideline for you, but he comes to the edge, and he can uh, he can use that to pretty good effectiveness. Yeah, he took that DB, and, you know, that, that's one of the embarrassing things you got to see on film with your teammates the next day. So, uh, for us, it was great. You know, everybody enjoyed that one, and, and uh, you hope you get a few more of those as we go. Jeff Martin, uh, he says, for me, according to Jeff, uh, the pass to Ficklin on fourth down was the play of the game. Was that call play call specifically designed to go to Quinn Ficklin? And just by the way, there are two number 44s, both who play <laughs> offense right now. I'm not a big fan of this, by the way. Uh, so there's 44 Hines, who's a tight end that's still kind of being worked into things, and then 44 Ficklin, who is an offensive lineman slash blocking back and occasionally receiving option. And from far, far away, sometimes tough to tell a Ficklin from yeah. a Hines name-wise. They're both the same number. See what you can do about that. But anyway, besides that, the plate of Ficklin, when it came, what a gutsy call there. Yeah, well, we may have to address that because they can't be in there at the same right. time. So we, we may have to look at uh, changing one of them, maybe flip a coin who has to change their number. But, uh, yeah, you know, Kalani's a very aggressive coach, and when he says go for it, you try to have a couple plays dialed up and, and in your hip pocket, and that's one that we've worked on for – since August and uh, just keep working it every week and, and Quinn does a great job. He's got great hands uh, and uh, 
really made a great play, even football smart. I mean, reaching forward with it, trying to get it, make sure he was across the line yeah. or the first down marker. So um, he's a guy that, you know, we got total confidence in to catch that because he's, he's caught it every time in practice. You told me, yeah, for, for an offensive lineman, which he's kind of still in a way it is, he's got great hands and he's, and he's never dropped those things. He does. He's caught, you know, one where we lobbed it over the top to him. He's caught him where, you know, he's been out in the flat and Taysom put a little mustard on that one because I know it was getting late and rush was coming and, and uh, he wasn't, you know, he's one of the main options. We got a couple options on that, and he's the guy that just kind of ended up separating right at the end to give us a throw. Okay, Jamal Williams, 866 rushing yards in six games. That's second nationally in total yards, third in yards per game, 10 rushing touchdowns. The only guy with more is the Heisman leader, Lamar Jackson, out of Louisville right now. It's been a tremendous year uh, for Jamal Williams. Uh, did you even think he could be this good after a year off and a year away? Um, you know, I, I'd seen him play uh, before and knew that he was a good quality back, but he's come back. I mean, he just has that passion and runs so hard. Uh, he breaks tackles, and we're not always blocking things perfectly. And so he's, he's a guy that if we just feel like we can get a body on a body, no one's going to tackle him until, you know, he, he gets to the secondary. So um, he's really done a, a tremendous job of understanding the scheme and starting to understand, you know, inside, outside, when to cut it back, when not to, and he's getting more and more comfortable, and and uh, he does everything right. He does pass protection. He's great in that, and he's a guy that, you know, can definitely play at the next level and, and will. And uh, I know the scouts come around. They, every one of them ask about him, and, and uh, you can't say enough good things about just the type type of player he is, type of person he is, and, and he's doing everything right. He's in the top ten nationally in runs from scrimmage of ten yards or longer. No one has more runs of 50 yards or longer than Jamal. He had a 62-yarder this, uh, this past week at Michigan State, and he's off and running, and he's heading down the field, and all of a sudden he hangs a hard left. And he said after that he was looking up at the video screen in the end zone that showed how close the DB was to him. And so he went from a straight line or somewhat of an angle to kind of a hard left toward the sideline, didn't he? Yeah, it was funny because all of a sudden it was like I thought the guy was going to reach for the ball. Yep. And all of a sudden he took a left and got a few more yards. And I kind of laughed with him after. And he said the same thing. He's like, I was watching the board. And I'm like, I never – I never knew how to do that because I never got past anyone to, to be able to look at a You board. weren't usually 60 yards downfield. No. Yeah. I was looking at the board at two yards downfield. <laughs> so, um, But, no, he's a, he's a character. And, and these guys now, they all kind of know. They see guys do that. And they're, it was a long enough run that he could kind of peek up there and see where the guy was and just a, a great heads-up play by him. All right, from Facebook Live on the Facebook page, Jared Frank asks, and this may be our final question for Ty, Coach Tuiaki standing by. He says, is being a D1 offensive coordinator what you thought it would be overwhelming at start, or do you feel like you're where you should be right now? Um, it's always going to be a work in progress. You know, you got to keep up with these defensive guys that change every week, change uh, every season. There's always things you can learn and, and keep going. And so I think, you know, I, I feel like I was fed through a fire hose a little bit early on, especially in the spring with recruiting and putting in an offense and all those things. And so, um, you know, fortunate to have – uh, great other coaches on the staff that you can pick their brains. They give you ideas, and, and uh, you incorporate it all into into the scheme. And that's really every week with our offensive staff. You know, Ben Cahoon really helps in the pass game. Uh, Mike Empey and Steve Clark in the run game and, and pass protection. And, and so you're getting feedback from everybody. And then Reno keeps us all kind of – in check it's like less is more guys less is more and so uh we've got a great balance in that room right now and, and really feel like you've got a, a ton of support 
and then you're always picking the defensive coaches' brains, kind of what gives them trouble. And so we've got a great staff that I feel like has really been a support for me and, and you know, starting to feel more comfortable on the sideline with it and getting the game time adjustments. But uh, definitely feel like there's a lot more to learn and just through this season have learned a ton. Uh, each week there's something new that's like, yeah, I didn't think about that or I got to have this ready for next week. And and so there's there's constant growth and, and plenty of room for improvement, I'm sure. Well, this past week, so something new was the Macarena. And uh, <laughs> we, we are holding out for the Cotton Eye Joe. We got to see E dancing on some of this. I mean, you know, these guys, they're the real guys that have the rhythm and the musical <laughs> background. And I'm just like... I get myself into these things somehow and, and promises that I really shouldn't make, I guess. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's all good when it comes after a win, <laughs> as it did on Saturday. T- Ty, thank you. We will uh, see you again, uh, I think, next week. And we'll have Coach Tuiaki coming up next. We are here at JCW's in Provo for the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner back after this on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. Legend Solar is a SunPower Elite dealer and the official solar provider of BYU Athletics. Schedule your free solar consultation and own your own power today at legendsolar.com. And this is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner coming to you live from JCW's in Provo here on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. Our thanks to Ty Detmer for joining us in half hour number one. Coach Elisa Tuiaki with us for the second half hour as we talk with the defensive coordinator for BYU and uh, linebackers coach as well at BYU. Coach Tuiaki and the Cougars defeating Michigan State 31-14 to Saturday in East Lansing. Uh, coach Tuiaki, first of all, congratulations to you and the guys on a stellar defensive effort. What a nice win for you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It was, it was great to see the kids play that way. And uh, this comes after a game uh, that you won versus Toledo, but you weren't necessarily totally happy with how your guys performed as a group. Much happier one week later. Biggest difference, biggest change, biggest adjustment perhaps from Toledo to Michigan State week to week. You know, the um, a- after the show went back and just continued to look at different things that we can improve on. And and uh, one thing that we saw was we went back and looked at the game plan for Toledo that, that uh, we as a coaching staff, when I say we, me, uh, went away from the original game plan because of uh, you know certain things that we gave up early and and uh, which you know I, I apologized to the kids and, and told them that it was all on me that abandoning the game plan a little bit too early just showed a lack of faith in them and that we would uh, make sure that we stuck to the game plan this time and just let the kids play and they, they did a really good job I thought that the D line was probably the biggest difference um, they played with, with, with great technique and you know Coach Gafusi doing a really good job with those guys and and getting them to play well. Maybe your most disruptive game, do you think, in the backfield this past week against Michigan State? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. And it was fun to see some of the, the younger kids really step up and uh, against a against a big-time opponent. It's, you know, Big Ten O-linemen are, are really good at the run block, and, and some of our kids did uh, did well against them, and, and it was good to see them have success and them to start ha- to feel confident and, and uh, moving forward, too. It's going to be exciting to see them play. Now, you didn't have Cy Tautu for the first, uh, for the first half. And they didn't have Malik McDowell uh, for the first half. And, and in half number two, Cy from the get-go was an impact player for you. He was tremendous. He was. He, was, he, was, he played really well. You know, came in only played half the game and had two sacks and a lot of impact plays and, you know, chasing guys down on the stretch. And, um, you know, I thought the, it would have been good to have him the first half. But obviously he came in and, and had a fire lit under him and played really, really well. So we're, we're pleased with him. Now, before the Toledo game, uh, none of the corners on the BYU defense, current roster corners, had any career picks. Diane Lake gets one in the Toledo game. Then Michael Davis, who's been playing corner for a while for you guys, he's a senior, and he gets his first career pick. Yeah. 
and, uh, and, and took it down the sideline. Nice little run by Mike as well. So back-to-back weeks, your corners uh, end up making big plays for you. Yeah, and it's fun to see those guys, you know, play with proper technique and, and have it pay off for them, you know, as you, especially for a guy like Mike who's been playing for years and really trying to trying to get his first. I, I didn't know that it wasn't it, that he hadn't had one until now, and so it was uh, great great for him to get that one. Everyone's celebrating with him. Uh, Running Cougar on Twitter using the hashtag CCB. Why are you asking you? When will the defense get to take a pick back to the house? Don't let the O have all the fun scoring. He says. <laughs> pretty soon, I hope. <laughs> Those guys and they've done well. Diane Lake's run back and Michael Davis's run back were pretty solid. Right. Yeah. The, the two that we had against Toledo were uh, went all the way back into the. I think they might have been inside the ten yard line, and which uh, which is good to set up some scores and. And this last one was, was huge at, a, at a, I think, a key moment in the game as well. Corbin Kafusi is someone that uh, I didn't know what to expect, really. I, I wondered if he might be a specialist for you, uh, you know, a, a, a kick blocker, occasional edge rusher. You've given him a lot of snaps this year. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's growing and, um, you know, he's, he's learning. He's, he knows that he's got a long way to go and, and uh, you know, he's got, some, he's got a great coach and a father that is helping him along the way. But, I mean, when, when things start to really click for him, he'll be a, he'll be a big-time contributor as far as just uh, disrupting the game because of uh, what he brings to the table with his length and, and his abilities. But, uh, you know, he's still, he's still learning. He has flashes. Of, you know, we talked about, I think, last week or the week before, he has flashes where he's really, really good. And, and it's just being consistent with your technique and, and uh, doing your deal. So we're, we're excited. He's he, continue to come along and he's going to have a bright future you haven't had butch pau for a couple of weeks yet you've won both games certainly you're anxious to get him back how would you feel the defense has responded uh in his absence you know the the, the first game uh, against toledo with, with not having him i think um you know i i would have i would have thought that it was it was a big not having him but you know i think i kind of blame that on myself just going away from the game plan this last week i thought that you know um austin heater as well as uh um, Adam Pulsifer. Major. Adam Pulsifer did a really good job, and you know uh, Phil Bamona came got in, in there, and, yep, and yep. got in there, and we played. Uh, I don't know if anybody noticed, but we played uh, um, Harvey Long. Harvey, so he started off with bit. him at Mike. Yeah, yeah, we started off with him at Mike, and so good, good change-ups, and those guys came in and and played a good role and, and did a really good job. Cioeli Pulu Uluabe asking on uh, Twitter, Facebook uh, on Facebook Live, beg your pardon. Uh, your thoughts on Tavita Maunga, and will you be using him more? He he's one of the young kids that that stepped up this last game, you know. I like um, when he and Travis play together inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know th- those guys, you can put any any of the two together, and 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 they're starting to play really well together. And and uh, so it's it's been good to have him because a big body like that is hard to move, and he's starting to figure it out. And uh, he's he's doing a really good job for us. And you know, a couple of those uh, third and short where the, where Michigan State ran it. I mean, he was stout inside and pretty much made the play on his own just by playing with good hands and good knockback. Christopher Isaacson on the BYU Football Facebook Live page asking, what kind of adjustments did the defense make during halftime to shut down Michigan State's offense in the second half? You know, we, we came back and uh, talked about whether or not we needed to make any adjustments, and we felt like the game plan at the time was, was, was good, and the kids were playing well, and we just had to make tackles. That was probably the, the biggest thing um, that we addressed at halftime with the kids was that the first drive that we gave up, you know, it was third and 11, and we, we just missed the tackle, and there's a couple times we missed tackles. We just... Just uh, fundamental, uh, fun- fundamentally not as sound as we should have been. And so came back and talked to him about just sticking, sticking to the game plan and just making tackles when, when the tackles were there. And I uh, thought they did a good job with it. Yeah, really, the, the first touchdown drive they score, and then they didn't score for a long, long time after that. First touchdown drive, you'd probably go back and say uh, more missed tackles than anything on it, that It part. was, it was. I mean, you get them in third and 11, and uh, 
you know, Francis was in perfect position. On the sideline. On the sideline, and, you know, he was driving on the ball, and by the time the ball was caught, he's probably a yard away, and the guy was, I think, uh, maybe 10 yards away from the sticks, and we miss a tackle, and he ends up getting up uh, in a manageable uh, fourth down situation. I think we would have either gotten a they, – maybe they would have gone for it, but it would have put him into a definite pass situation versus – you know, uh, where you fourth and short, where you keep the playbook open. And so you just make a tackle there. Uh, they, they might change the situation, but also uh, after they made the first down, there was still, you know, missed tackles, missed tackles, and just guys kind of pinging off or not being in good body position and not wrapping up, you know, just different things like that. And things got better. They did. Yeah. They did. Yep. Things things got better, and guys started playing better. All right, Coach Elisha Tuiaki is with us. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We're back with more from JCWs on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. Back after this. Let's get back. It's time for today's I Am Flash flashback brought to you by I Am Flash, making memory that makes the world mobile. So Friday's game against Mississippi State will be the third all-time meeting between BYU and the Bulldogs and the second meeting back in 2001 in Starkville. BYU's Matt Payne kicked a game-winning 25-yard field goal to defeat MSU 41-38 and improve the Cougars' record to 12-0 on the 2001 season. That is the I Am Flash flashback, brought to you by I Am Flash, making memory that makes the world mobile. Welcome back to JCW's in Provo for the Lights and Solar Coordinator's Corner. Greg Rubel and Elisa Tuiaki with you here in the second half hour. Let's get right back to questions for the coach. This from uh, BYU Football's Facebook Live page from Dan Soderberg. He says he can't wait to see a game with Travis, Troy, and Butch all healthy. That's Tuiloma, Warner, and Pau'u, by the way. Any chance we see that on Friday, he asks. It's, uh, we, we've got to wait. I mean, obviously Travis is playing. You know, Butch, if we can get him back this week, then um, you know, we, we've got to make sure that we keep him healthy. So he'll probably limit his snaps a little bit. He probably won't play the whole game if he plays. Um, and Troy, you know, the, his deal is a little bit different because his, his job is to run. And so um, we've got to make sure that he's not in position or we put him in a position where he's running and, and re-aggravating the, the same thing that happened. So we've got to make sure that he's coming back at the right time. Jonathan Floyd on the Facebook page. Travis Tuiloma, he says, played more snaps against MSU than we've seen in games previous. That's pretty accurate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Will we be seeing him more as we move on, or yeah. is he kind of on a pitch count still? Yeah, you know, I think he's still kind of on a, on a count as far as snaps, but we've just, uh, you know, we're starting to feel more confident, and he's starting to feel more confident, and it's coming. And, and uh, you know, we before the season started, we, prob- we, we thought that we'd probably get him about game six, but his progress has been good, and he's starting to get, get a lot of snaps. I think I called his name more this past game than any of the ones previous. So he's more involved. Right, right, absolutely. He's, he's rotating in there david larson on facebook what's the biggest lesson learned over the first half of the season for you personally and the defense as a whole you know just uh situation probably situational football for me um you know uh, putting our kids in in position but also just kind of getting out of their way and letting them play is is, is really been the thing for me and i think sometimes coaches overthink it and and try to overdo it and you know the game plan as you put in is is good and as long as the kids know what they're doing and play fast um, you know, they'll play to the best of their ability. And so really a big thing for me is just let, let the kids play and, and uh, let them do their thing. You've been on headset hearing defensive coordinators call games for years now. Now you're doing it yourself um, through half of the season. How much has that part of the game come to you, uh, just, just the, the, just the game to game play-to-play uh, calling of, uh, of sets and whatnot? It's, it's uh, been a big advantage, you know, to be around and, and listen to a bunch of different uh, really good coaches in the past. Um, I th- you know, I was talking with Ed Lamb today in the locker room. The one thing that I noticed more as a coordinator is how good quarterbacks are. You know, before when I was just coaching the D-line, it was kind of just, you know, this or that. And, uh, you know, 
noticing how good a quarterback is is really the one thing that sticks out because that's, I think, the, the, the one thing that makes a difference on an offense. How much is learned? Do you ever um, do you ever go back and listen to a game, uh, uh, like a headset recording of, of a game? Do, do you ever learn anything on, on second chance? Is that ever done, by the way? You look at game film. Do you ever go back and hear, hear, a, set, hear a game of calls? Is that part of it as well or never been part of it for you? You know, I've, I've never thought about that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've really – I've seen coaches from the past watch a TV copy and – when you when you're starting to see fast tempo offenses and just making sure that you're calling in real time, mm-hmm. I've never heard of uh, anybody going back. I don't think it's recorded. But some I think some teams be, have made recordings of, no, of headset calls, and I just wondered if that's something you've ever done or, or no. whatever. Is there any, any benefit to that? Yeah, just a, just a thought. Yeah, uh, cool. Mississippi State. Uh, what do you see from these guys? Um, a lot like uh, a lot like the the spread that we've seen in the past. Uh, probably Arizona, West Virginia, and, and Toledo. Um, you know they're they're a good team. You know another another good opponent, another good quarterback. Kid can probably run better than all the other quarterbacks that we faced, and so it'll be a challenge to to make sure that we keep them contained. Right, we need to break. They don't normally come this far west. Last time they came west was uh, 14 years ago, uh, 2002, to play at Oregon. Uh, so this is a little unusual for them coming this far, uh, playing. Uh, on a Friday night is very unusual. They last played on a Friday night in the regular season back in the 60s, and they're playing at altitude, and it's kind of a late game. All these things I think they'll be thinking about, not that you would necessarily look at those as advantages for you, but it's probably a factor considering it's a little unfamiliar with, for them, all those things. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> but, uh, hey, you'll take what you can get. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately exactly. it comes down to making plays. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but, I, but I think doing what you did to a Big Ten team is uh, is good for the confidence playing an SEC squad coming in this week. Fair enough? Absolutely, yep. All right, Coach Tuiaki is with us for one more segment. We'll come back to uh, JCWs in Provo for our final segment of the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We're on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. It is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Legend Solar is a SunPower Elite dealer and proud to sponsor BYU football. Schedule your free consultation today and find out how much you could save at legendsolar.com. Welcome back to JCW's in Provo. Monday's 12 to 1 for the Coordinator's Corner, the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Our thanks to Ty Detmer, BYU's offensive coordinator, QB coach in the first half hour. We've got Coach Elisa Tuiaki here in uh, half hour number two. He's the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. And uh, we began the show uh, commenting, Coachy, on uh, Ty Detmer's Macarena in the uh, <laughs> post-game locker room in East Lansing. Uh, your feedback? You know, I've, I've never made a promise. That's why he's always getting himself into trouble, making promises <laughs> like that. So but, he, but we'll take it. We'll, we'll take it. We need him to keep making promises so we can see that and win. He said Taysom uh, – he actually came during a timeout. They played the Macarena in the stadium PA, and Taysom says, we got to see you do the Macarena. And Ty said, if we win, I'll do it. <laughs> that was the promise made, and he made good on the promise. Um, do you see yourself being conned into any kind of uh, dance moves? I'll do anything to win. Any move, whatever, it doesn't matter. If, if, we're, if it means we're going to win, I'll do it. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have a go-to move or song when it comes to that? I don't have any moves, or man. genre. What, no. what, kind, what kind of music yeah. is in your wheelhouse? You, you, you saw Kalani do his deal, and and uh, he's pretty up to date. I didn't even know what that dance was called and, <laughs> until he was doing it and explained it. So he said, "I've got to get on YouTube and start to get up to date with all the, the stuff my kids are doing." Well, it, it was a cool moment. It hit social media, and it's uh, kind of viral within Cougar Nation, I guess yeah. you'd say right now. But you know, that's uh, those are those are great moments. I mean, it's when the fun. team when the team is bonding like that after kind of a statement win in Big Ten country. Those are one of those days you, you kind of on the flight back, you're just going, this was a good day. It was a really good day. And it's, you know, uh, it's great for recruiting too. You know, it's not something that's stage or, or planned for, but that's the type of coach that uh, you want to play for. You know, the type of coach that uh, is going to get everything out of his kids and, I mean, the uh, type of coach that you want to work for as well. I mean, it makes it easier for recruiting when you can sell your head coach like that.
Coach Tuiaki with us. We're going to BYU Football's Facebook page, Facebook Live. A question from uh, Isi Mataele asks, uh, do you feel we have a true rush end on this team? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Sai does a good job. Uh, Harvey does a good job. And, you know, Corbin, Corbin gives you his, uh, uh, um, you know, he, he makes it difficult because of his, his, uh, his length and all that stuff. And so all of them bring a little bit of something different to the table. And, you know, having a rush end is really um, just sharpening your, your technique versus b- being completely, spe- you know, fast and, and speedy. And so I think that those guys are doing a good job and they're, they're continuing. And there's a, a play that Harvey had late in the game where because because of his speed and explosiveness off the ball, the, the offensive uh, tackle was really um, looking to get out of his stance. And then Harvey just bowled right through him. And so he's starting to understand a little bit body position and, and uh, doing a good job reading uh, things like that. But, I mean, all of them bring a little bit something different to the table. And everything for those guys is about timing, you know. You, you can't go in with a, with a pre-planned move. you gotta you got to be ready to pull a move when it's available. And those guys are getting it slowly. Where's Corbin going to be, do you think, when his, uh, when his you know, career – will he be that guy? Can he be that guy? I think so. Yeah, I think so. He's, he's got flashes in practice, and we see him do certain things that nobody else can do because of his skill set. And so, you know, as he continues to get better and, and uh, is, is molded in, in coaching and um, understands football a little bit better, I mean, that, that stuff comes with time. Marla May Hintze on uh, BYU Football Facebook says, says she's fascinated when after an interception, uh, within seconds, several players promptly gather and have that blocking wall going for the defensive back. Is that more instinct or more practice? I think everything's got to be practiced, but the kids do a really good job with it. You know, it was all them uh, in the moment, knowing to, to make sure that they block in front of the ball and, and uh, you know, keep all the blocks above the waist and so that we're not getting any penalties or anything. But they, they do a good job practicing it as well as uh, showing up in the game. Short week, uh, anything done or adjusted in way of getting ready for a Friday night game as opposed to Saturdays? Just like all the other weeks that are a little bit shorter or coming back off the road, we've, we've got to make sure that the plan is, is sound, and that the, we're not asking the kids to do something that's physically impossible and then just rep it until they, they feel comfortable and know their assignments and, and, uh, and we'll cut them loose on game day. This last win you got at Michigan State puts you at 3-3 three and three on the year uh, at the halfway point. Uh, you'd like to be better than 3-3, three and three, but that said, uh, I, I feel pretty good about being – from one and three to three and three, where you are right now, what pleases you most about where you are set up right now with that three and three record? Just the fight in the kids, you know, the fight in the kids and the belief in the system, the belief in the head coach, and um, you know, the, the continually grind it out. Uh, even though we've had a lot of those those tough losses, um, they came back, you know, learned from it, and uh, moved on to the next one. You can see the way they play the next week um, really, really shows that they're uh, that they're maturing that way. I think if you want to make a a 12th straight bowl game as BYU does, that Michigan State game becomes kind of, a, kind of a linchpin or a, a, a big game in that respect. Would you agree with that at least? Yeah, absolutely. It was a much-needed win and great for the confidence of the team, uh, for the offense as well as the deal. I mean, that was a really good, good game played by these kids on both sides of the ball, all three phases. And, uh, you know, it's a great confidence builder coming back to our, to our place and playing an SEC school. Not that there's a hard half and an easy half of the schedule, but you, you played five P5s in the first six games. You get one P5 in the back half of the season. Um, nothing's to be taken for granted. One there are minute. no easy wins in this game. But do you feel pretty set up to make some noise here in the back half where you are right now? Yeah, I, th- I think we're, we're starting to play some uh, – hitting strides, starting to play some really good ball on, on all, in all phases and, uh, you know, getting, getting guys back healthy as well as just staying strong. I mean, I thought that as the game went on, the kids played harder and they were stronger and – 
um, you know, you start to dominate your your opponent a little bit, and and uh, so it's. Uh, I, I think we're set up that way. Last thing for you, even at one and three, this was a pretty unified bunch. Now that you've got back-to-back wins for the first time this season, there's got to be a good feeling in that team seconds. right now. Yep, absolutely. You know, st- sticking the course, and uh, you know, just sticking to the plan that Coach Itaka has for us. All right, E, good to have you on. We'll Thank do it again you. next week. All right, Coach Elisa Tuiaki with us. This has been the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We're on BYU at 9, ESPN 960 and the BYU Football Facebook Live page. Join us every week, Mondays, 12 to 1 at JCW's in Provo for the Coordinator's Corner. I'm Greg Rubel for Coaches Tuiaki and Detmer. We'll talk to you next week on ESPN 960 and BYU Football Facebook Live. So long. The-